Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. On today's show, we'll talk about what the Cavaliers can do to hang on to LeBron James this summer. And the Pistons have hired a new coach. We'll talk about if former Raptors head coach Dwayne Casey is an upgrade over Stan Van Gundy. It's Locked On NBA. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the league at large for SB Nation and Fansite. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRomill13. Dwayne Casey has a new job in Detroit, and the Warriors will be celebrating with a championship parade today. But let's start with what will be sure to dominate headlines this offseason, and that's the summer of LeBron. It's officially LeBron free agency season, and just like we've known for months that the Warriors would ultimately end up as NBA champions, we've also anticipated that the world the world one that is about to ensue. When LeBron was a free agent in 2010 and 2014, the league virtually stopped operations until he made his decision. After getting swept in the finals, it's clear LeBron will need help to reach that apex again and win another ring. But as Brian Windhorst recently wrote, unlike in 2010 and 2014, there may not be a perfect opportunity for LeBron. The Warriors are that good, and a move from Cleveland would only be worth it if it resulted in another championship. David, did you see anything in those finals or have any reason to believe that the Cavs could keep LeBron James? From an outsider's perspective, no. Uh, I've long considered that LeBron is at a point where he's frustrated with that organization, that this year was the most taxing of his career. And we've seen that kind of strain that he goes through up close when he was with the Miami Heat for that fourth and final season in Miami, where he just, you could see his attitude change. And, and you know, I took a lot of heat for it at that point, no pun intended. You know, being critical of LeBron and saying what I thought was perfectly obvious was that he looked like he was disengaged. And I think I saw a lot of those same things from him this year. Uh, As much as they tried to rebuild the team after the loss of Kyrie Irving or the trade of Kyrie Irving, uh, I I think they kind of fell short of that. Obviously, it was a very toxic environment for most of the season. The fact that his individual greatness was able to carry them to this point far exceeded anyone's expectations, I think. Although we looked at Cleveland as, you know, clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference with, you know, maybe a a Gordon Hayward-led Celtics and, and perhaps... Philadelphia being contenders, Toronto, obviously. Uh, Obviously, with LeBron James there, Cleveland is going to be able to dominate any individual series, and that was clearly the case. But at the same time, I I just don't don't know if there's anything there for him anymore. He's proven everything he could possibly do. He returned, brought back a title. His his frayed relationship with ownership uh, and a roster that seems so incomplete and imperfect just might have finally taken too much out of him. He might just want to look for another opportunity. And we've heard a lot of people close to him saying he values family. He he values the the sanity and and well-being of his family and his sons, you know. Uh, And I think for that, maybe Cleveland is a good option, but it's also maybe time to move on and and see if uh, that family might be happier and healthier somewhere else. I mean, look, the family thing is important, and I think – going into this summer and kind of the whole last few months of, of anticipating what LeBron's decision might be. We've obviously talked about the basketball fit and things like salary cap space and, and those things that are necessary. But I, I don't think that the family thing was talked about. And when he was asked about it um, after the NBA finals, his 
only answer really was right. he's going to talk to his family and his sons are old enough now to have a say in the decision. And maybe right. that was a way to just sort of not talk about any team in particular and, and kind of stray away from the actual question that was asked. But I do think like we've heard Dwayne Wade recently saying he doesn't even think it's a basketball. He doesn't even think basketball concerns will be a consideration for him. That right. basketball fit isn't going to be an issue because as as we saw from the Cavaliers this last season, you could surround him with anybody, and he will take that. He's got an opportunity to take that team to the finals, and and succeed at a very high level. But it's about his family, and so if with that in mind, I don't think that he's going to uproot that family to go to a San Antonio, or, a, a, you know, a, a Milwaukee, who we've heard you know bounced around a few times. A team that you know somewhere where it, that not because it's not a big market, but because I don't know that those are necessarily great like prep school areas right for his mm. for his for his sons to you know matriculate through their basketball careers i think that's going to matter and now, for that if, reason if i think that, if you're going that line of thinking though he's already got connections in miami his kids play there his kids went mm-hmm. to school there during the four year stretch that he was in miami doesn't that seem like that makes sense then for for a possible return to the heat I mean, I think that's probably the connection that's being made and why we keep hearing Miami as one of those potential suitors. You know, you hear a guy like Stephen A. Smith, who was the first to report LeBron's interest in Miami back in 2010. I don't know how reliable he is as a, as a person. I don't know if it's the same source that he had in 2010 that's telling him this now. But uh, maybe that's why we keep hearing it and why we keep and the, why the, the move to the Lakers or the Clippers keeps getting talked about because of his connections to LA and the fact that he owns homes there and that his kids are comfortable there. And I've already looked at schools there, um, according to some reports. So I do think that those are options. That said, I think Cleveland, Cleveland could do something to convince him to stay, but given how, given how, um, how bad things were and how frustrated he was in the NBA finals, the fact that after game one, he punched a whiteboard and broke his hand. I think it's going to take a lot of fixing. It's going to take a major move from Dan Gilbert and that organization to convince him to stay. Now, they've got some ammo. They can they can always trade Kevin Love. They have the eighth pick in the draft that they can move. And if they're able to land a superstar player that he wants to play with by using those assets, maybe that's enough to switch things up. Um, I just Otherwise, I, I, I do think that that relationship is pretty frayed and that there's not a whole lot of trust there. And given what happened at the trade deadline and the fact that this team had to rebuild on the fly, the fact that he doesn't really know Kobe Altman that much um, right. after just one season, maybe he does go somewhere else where he could sort of build his own team again. And maybe it is the Los Angeles Lakers, but it's got to be, again, if he moves from Cleveland to another team, they've got to put a championship level roster in place. It has to be an upgrade over what he has in Cleveland uh, and and something that looks on paper like it could be a formidable challenge to what is going on in Oakland. Now, I, I wonder about that because I feel like if, if he's putting so much of a, a emphasis on emotional and well, you know, well-being and mental health, etc., can it be that it's more important to him to find a team that's just plays at a high level and, and, and tries their hardest, tries their best, and as he pointed out, is is aware and, and I, I forgot the exact terminology he used, but basically that that they had the mental presence and understanding mm-hmm. to, to to you know focus in key moments of the games, basically pointing out that J.R. Smith and his teammates weren't able to do that during the finals. Right. You know, maybe he's just looking for a team of guys that are 
you know, more complimentary on, on and off the court, you know, uh, and that might he be. He talked about, he talked about basketball IQ and guys yes, who think the game out of the box and stuff like that. Right. right That's right. going to, which was really interesting as far, I, I think when we talk about LeBron, we talk about fit and where it would make sense. But just the fact that he didn't care necessarily about being around a, he didn't say, I need to be around guys who space the floor for me. I need to be around good three-point shooters, which is kind of how everybody always talks about LeBron and his circumstance mm-hmm. and the kind of con- the context of a team he needs to be included in. But he's just like, I just want guys who I could freaking be on the same level with and think the game at the same level that I think the game. I think that Houston would be a great fit for that with guys like James Harden and Chris Paul. That was the first team I thought of. Um, but... Uh, is Houston a good fit for his family? I mean, that's we. It kind of goes. That has to be uh, a consideration. Are those? Are there any other teams or circumstances that you look at for LeBron that that is substantially better than what he has right now in Cleveland? It would be worth making that move. I, I don't. I don't know. I, as far as from a title perspective, I think the the clear favorite there, unless you're going to go to Golden State, and that seems very unlikely, is that he goes to Boston. And then we, you know, there hmm. was a great piece from Jonathan the Arcs over at the Ringer kind of laying out what it would take. They've got the assets in place. They would have to move a couple players in order to accommodate him. From the Celtics fans' perspective, they've been kind of hesitant because they like that young core and the way they've they've built that team. I've seen some people actually state that they wouldn't want to have LeBron James on that roster because he dominates so much of the, the conversation and shifts the focus primarily onto him because he's such a singularly great player. I think that's ludicrous. If you can get LeBron James, I don't care what team you are or who you have on that roster, you get LeBron James. But uh, you know, having said that, I think that's his best chance at a title is to go there and maybe you trade Gordon Hayward. Maybe you keep him. It seems unlikely that you would pair him alongside Kyrie Irving, who made the move to get away from there. But, um, you know, it's 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 tough to kind of figure it out. I, I mean, obviously, I've also heard people say that he's already aware what he's going to do. And, and, and some people are unequivocally saying that he's leaving Cleveland. So um, there seems to be a lot of different perspectives there um i don't know if the league is, i don't know if he's going to take as long i get the feeling he's going to be a little bit quicker about mm. his decision um you know not holding the league at, at bay because things have to fall in place you know if he's going to build a team around him if he goes to a team and they have to make trades in order to accommodate him then you also have to lure other potential free agents so that you can build a stronger roster we've seen in cleveland we've seen in miami that if he takes too long making that decision guys can sign elsewhere that limits your chances of being able to build a better, more complete roster around him. And and for the record, I think he is leaving Cleveland, and I just not because I I just think they think I I I feel like back in 2010 when he left Cleveland, it's it feels very similar in that that whatever relationship it is with between him and the organization has sort of run its course, and I don't oh, know yeah. that it could and and he's had enough there, and just for his own mental health and well being, it might be time for a move. And and you're right. I do think that he needs to make a decision quicker, not and not wait as long as he did back in 2014 because he's gonna he 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 does he is going to have to rely on free agency as far as putting a, a championship caliber team around him. So um, look, we'll move on from there. We're gonna be talking about the LeBron James thing. I have a feeling for a few weeks, um, if not a few a couple of months here. But um, let's move on. After parting ways with Stan Van Gundy, the Pistons have hired its new head coach. We'll talk about that next. But first, the season is over, but the offseason is underway, and things in the NBA can change every day. That means you need a daily podcast to break down everything that's happening around the league. So subscribe to Locked On NBA if you're not already on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Okay, David, let's talk uh, a few of these big storylines that are happening around the league with a game of true or false. And we'll start with the one in Detroit. True or false, the Pistons hired former Raptors coach Dwayne Casey, who is an upgrade over Stan Van Gundy. Ooh, I think it's a wash. I'm going to go uh, with neither true nor false. I think mm-hmm. there are things that Casey does best, uh, better than Van Gundy. And conversely, I think Stan excels uh, mostly on the court. I think he's, his X's and O's are probably better than Casey's. We've seen him kind of be able to maximize what a player can do, whether it was in Miami or Orlando or in Detroit. I think he his understanding of what to do uh, exceeds Casey's in-game decision-making process, which has been heavily criticized, even as Toronto was achieving a lot of success. It clearly was one of the things that stood out in the four-game sweep where they fell to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think that's what a lot of the criticism about Casey has been. Now, the thing that Casey does best is relate to players, connect with them, kind of make a, a, a great relationship out of a, a player-coach one. And I think with Detroit's roster, when you got guys like Reddy Jackson, Blake Griffin, who probably never really got along to that same level with Doc Rivers in, in Los Angeles, um, Andre Drummond, who has been through you know Van Gundy, he's been through other coaches and just hasn't been able to get to that same level, to the level that a lot of players expect him to. I see Casey being able to relate to these guys at a li- different level and a more complete, better one and bring out more in their individual games. I think he's going to be good for at least a five to ten game swing improvement. Hmm. I I think a key part here, too, is the fact that Stan Van Gundy was central in running that organization. He was sure. essentially the general manager and the coach, and that's no longer the case. And I think just having Dwayne Casey, an experienced head coach, who you're right, I think could probably mentor and and, and kind of just coach up the players a little bit more behind the scenes than Stan Van Gundy tends to do. Um, maybe that I think that combination of having a true head coach in place and a true general manager and that separation of powers is going to be an improvement for Detroit. Uh, Ed Stefanski, who is the senior advisor right now, had a hand in hiring Dwayne Casey. It looks like he's going to ha- have a hand in constructing that team. Just having multiple guys on deck to rebuild that roster and coach up that group in general will be an upgrade over basically the Stan Van Gundy fiefdom that was being run in, in Detroit. Um, true or false, DeAndre Ayton is confident he'll be the number one pick. It's a done deal that the Suns are taking him. Despite my inclinations, I think it's true. I think he is going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, a lot of people much more plugged in as far as uh, what the draft entails and, and what these teams are thinking as far as their overall thought process uh, tend to think that Aiton is going to be the number one selection, that Phoenix views his impact on that team as greater in the long term, while Doncic is a more complete player that could probably come in and, and make an immediate impact well, Phoenix is far from being able to compete at a high level just yet, but adding Aiton makes them a better player, a better, better team in the future. You compare him along with Devin Booker and, and, and kind of build your foundational core moving forward, maybe get a free agent here and there, somebody else that can kind of, you know, add to that uh, in the future. Uh, and I think that's where they see it. Uh, you know, Aiton seems pretty confident, as you pointed out. Uh, I think that's with good reason. I think he's probably talked to the team and they probably feel confident being able to work something out with him. He made that comparison uh to Kobe and Shaq being mm. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Mm. Um, you know, good good sales pitch by Ayton, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but look, we, we know that Phoenix was enamored with Clint Capella, that there were reports that they would be offering, willing to offer him something close to a max contract yeah. as Clint Capella enters restricted free agency. They certainly value that sort of player, that more, not traditional, 
but a guy who can do things at the rim uh, uh, and and on both ends of the floor as far as just being able to finish pick and rolls and maybe have a little bit of a back to bas- back to the basket game as well as defend the rim. They value that. They want that. Uh, and so for those reasons, I do think Aiton is probably the favorite right now to be the number one pick. I don't know if it's a done deal. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I think Luka Doncic has a real chance to be the pick and and should have a real consideration there. But everybody who's more plugged in, like you said, more plugged in than us, writing about the situation, writing about the team, is writing as if Aiton is already there, and it's kind of. You know the next phase of the formula is, so to speak, is, is what free agents do you pair with Aiton and Devin Booker if right. if Phoenix is trying to uh, kind of you know build up that team and and try to make a run in the immediate you know in the short term. So yeah, I think Doncic would be the better pick. I still think he's the better player, and at this point, I would just take the better player and the more versatile player. But it sounds like Aiton's going to be their guy, and and um, either way, I think it's it's a good fit next to Devin Booker. I. I just hope that they're not it, it, they're not being a team that says that, that that just falls in love with the best seven footer, which we've seen backfire several times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a a Greg Oden, Kevin Durant kind of thing. Um, you know, the question about Doncic, I think, is his athleticism. I think is the biggest knock on him, and I can't help but think that there is some uh, consideration that his European background that maybe he wasn't a the kind of player that you could watch closely and maybe that game doesn't translate to the league, which I think is personally ludicrous. Um, and I, but I think Aiton's a, an incomplete player, a project. I mean, he's got great athleticism and everything else, but at the same time, you know, considering the way the league is trending, do you really want to invest that kind of pick on a player like Aiton? That's, it's a curious decision. I, I, I understand that long-term projection there and the hope that maybe he'll turn out to be a more complete player than he's shown in his one year in college. Um, but at the same time, that seems like an awful big risk over a player like Doncic, who I think is better suited to make an immediate impact, despite whatever prejudices you might have about the EuroLeague. Yeah, and the fact that you know maybe they couldn't watch him. As much. I mean, Igor Kokoskov has definitely has first-hand experience with with Donkic, but he's not the one ultimately making the decision, right? It's right. general managers and ownership and things like that. Um, and they've certainly been able to watch Aiton, who was, you know, in the same state playing college ba- basketball as, as opposed to um, Donkic, who was overseas. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about the Warriors Championship Parade, which is going to happen today. And we'll talk about how we can make it more exciting than the last game of the NBA Finals was next. But first, in addition to the daily Locked On NBA show, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily show for your favorite NBA team. So go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and search for your team. Say, for example, the Miami Heat, David. Then yeah. subscribe to Locked On Heat, the Locked On Podcast Network, the local experts on the biggest stories. The Warriors will host their championship parade today in Oakland. It's something we've all seen coming and have all, have all seen already. They did the same thing last June. David, do you have any interest in watching this parade at all? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, having been to a, a parade with the Heat, uh, I can tell you that those are very uncomfortable situations uh, to actually be in and to witness. And I'm not particularly interested. You know, you get a lot of hungover, probably even still drunk players talking a lot to try and, and boost their fans and, and tell them that everything's going to be great and everything's going to be fine. But, you know, in reality, who knows what's going to happen next year? Kevin Durant could leave in free agency. Steph Curry could get hurt. Who knows? You know, I, I personally have never been much for the the, the parade, uh, you know, unless it's a team that I'm following uh, actually doing the winning. Um, but 
at the same time, you know, watching Golden State go through this process for the third time in four years. Now, I will say there is the hot Cheeto Draymond Green factor that might be worth watching. And there's also Nick Young. You never know what he might say. Mm. There's also JaVale McGee. I think he's a guy who could be a little bit of a loose cannon up there. You never know. He might say something interesting and funny. So those are things to consider. But, you know, for me, uh, it just doesn't hold the same kind of interest as it does for others. Yeah. I mean, look, and if any of those things happen, you know they'll have Instagram and Twitter clips that you can just watch afterwards. So you don't have to waste Good your point. time watching the whole parade. You just catch all the... I have no interest. I, I don't have interest in parades in general. I'm not a parade person. I never Is understood. Is anybody anymore? I mean, I, people, I, I mean, it seems like the parades were something that you did in the 50s and 60s, but nowadays... <laughs> now people have better things to do, like yeah. browse our Instagram feed. There you go. Um, you're right. I don't know. I think people like parades. Still? I, people show up to them. Like there is Sometimes. a there is a segment of the population that shows up to these parades. Have you ever, you've been to Disney World and they have parades every night there? Oh, like yeah. I pe- there is and that must cost a fortune to put on. So there must be a return on investment. I feel like <laughs> there is a segment of the population that they just they just don't host podcasts. I suppose. Um, like I have no interest <laughs> in this parade. I think if something it's always the same thing. The guys are on floats. Sometimes they get off the floats. They throw things to the audience like t-shirts and candy and whatever. And they wave. Steve Kerr will say something charming, and yeah, and everybody will lose their minds. And and fans of the Warriors will appreciate it and enjoy it. And I guess you can just sort of revel in the overall atmosphere of being a champion team, and that's great if you're a Warriors fan. For me, I would like to see. And look, they're not, it's not the parade is not for the general population. The parade is for the fans, right? And so with that in mind, I get it. But it would be interesting to see them do it differently and do something interesting. I don't know what could be done to make this thing more interesting. Maybe have the players actually get out of the float and walk and interact. Or, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what would make a parade more interesting. It's too hot. It's too hot for any of that. Like, being to the one in Miami, and and even though I imagine the one in the Bay is probably pretty hot there... Um, I can't imagine, you know, it's always during the summer, so yeah. I can't imagine that it's not going to be a particularly hot environment. You're going to get people drinking. You're going to get people who take clothes off uh, and, and make jackasses of themselves. And that, I guess that's part of the fun, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. Um, you know, maybe not have a parade, but at the same time, you know, mm. have it like at, a, at an outdoor venue, maybe. Ooh, like contain- a concert. Yeah, something like that. But that limits the number of fans. Like you saw what happened in Cleveland. And I think those crowds have to have been a record, right? Just that kind of turnout for an Ohio championship, something that hadn't happened right. in, what, a century 50, and a half or whatever? 50, 50 plus years. I mean, no, that the is the, only way, time, the only way to make a parade exciting is for the team to not have won for 50 plus years. And in the Warriors' case, it was 12 months. So. I, I think the I think that the Warriors parade is a lot like the season, like it was perfunctory in the sense that everybody knew they were going to wind up doing this anyway. I imagine some of the luster is probably worn off, some of the joy, like even going through the season. As much as we enjoyed covering and talking about it, there was that feeling that they were going to wind up exactly where they did, and I think that's probably taken some of the, like I said, some of the luster off of it, you know, and taking the parade planning out, like the stress of parade planning out of it. I mean, the, oh no, that never changes, re- you know. They having been the and, and having been in this part of the city administration like I, I saw that up close like the police presence is so well planned and it takes such a it's such a pain in the ass to be quite honest with you um, streets it. have to be blocked off it's amazing it's terrible and wonderful at the same time i guess but I, I and any warriors fans listening to this are probably very excited about this parade i hope you have a great time if you go and attend the parade um oakland the night that they won the finals was crazy that i'm sure that 
you guys all had a great time. I hope you enjoy the parade, but I won't be watching the parade, and there's really nothing you can do to convince me otherwise. I do like the idea of turning it into a venue, maybe having, like, I don't know, a show where celebrities show up and, play, and, and like, I don't know, have E-40 show up and, and do a few of his songs and have some other maybe rappers and... and People like have Drake show up. He shows up to all championship things. Have He's Drake show part up of every team. Yeah, yeah. Have Drake show up and like let Steph and JaVale McGee like rap along with him and just do do like hotline bling dances and things. That to me would be more exciting than uh, a parade where it's just like the the sit on top of the float and wave and just show off the trophy. But I'd rather do it like not... the day after too. You know where they, the Ooh. players are so so hammered that they can't they don't have a chance to recover. Just kind of get it over with like a band aid. Go get the parade over and done with. Let's see you make a complete and total drunken buffoon of yourself. That's that's that would be the most fun, I think. There we go. Well, hope you enjoy it for those who are going. And if you're not going, join the club and do something better with your day. But that's all we have for today. So you can subscribe to Locked on NBA on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, if you're not already. We'll be back next Tuesday here. In the meantime, you can find us on Locked on Heat. Thank you for listening. And thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.